morning. It's good to see you all here. And uh, I'm going to be wrapping up our series uh, about rest. And uh, so uh, let, let, me, let me start with uh, just kind of sharing a story to kind of set up where I want to go with this, because what we've been doing through this whole series is looking um, at uh, Genesis, because the first uh, several chapters of Genesis uh, incorporate this idea of rest in a pretty significant way. Um, but let me set it up with this way. So a while back, I needed to replace my uh, iPhone. I loved my iPhone. It was, it, like, it was like what I wanted. It was the right iPhone, but it was getting older and older and older and the battery wasn't working very well. And people in the office uh, were giving me a lot of grief uh, over it. And then it, it wouldn't function as well. You know, like I'd get messages like, we're not gonna be supporting uh, this. I, you know, this one's so old that it's, you know, one of those deals. So finally I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go get another iPhone and I'm gonna get one just as like as close to this one as I can. So then I get on the website and I start shopping through them and you know it's got all the comparisons of all the different iPhones and um, th there's been a lot of numbers since the one that I had when I go to do this and I'm reading through all this stuff and it's amazing what what these newer iPhones can do compared to the iPhone that I had and I'm reading this and I'm like oh my gosh it's like I you know you don't even need to uh, like I have one now that doesn't have a button on it on the front. Remember, I had one with like the old button on there. And I just think of all the energy I wasted having to push that button. And now I just like look at it, you know, and it knows my face. I was just like, this is crazy. And all the different kinds of cameras. And like they were talking, you can make motion pictures with your iPhone. Now I'm like, that's amazing. Not that I'd ever do it, but I, but maybe I need that. I don't know. Um, so going through it, what I found really quickly was like in a span of just a little while, I went from being totally satisfied with my phone. Just, I just need to be able to do, I just need a newer version of it, right? To like, I, like, I don't know how I was functioning in life with that old piece of junk that I had with all the new things uh, that uh, can happen with it. So, um, so like, it's interesting how in such a short amount of time just went to this thing of like the dissatisfaction of like, this is not enough. I need something more, right? Um, so then I'm like all happy. I've got my phone. I didn't go with the motion picture uh, version of it. I kind of drew the line there. But uh, for uh, this past Christmas, Angie needed a phone. And I'm like, I'll get her a phone for Christmas. So, and like, I know just, you know, I'm a pro at this now. So I get back on there. And they had even started updating uh, the iPhone since when I got mine. And I was like, oh man, like I started to get envy of like what, like they have a, it's the A16, I wrote this down, the A16 Bionic chip is what she uh, could get in her phone. I'm like an A16 Bionic chip. How many of you have that? You see it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. The rest of you? Like life is barely worth living. Okay. I just, I, now I don't have the A16 bionic chip. I really don't know what it does. But man, to hear them describe it, right? And what you feel, right? What you feel. And we've all felt this in one way or another, right? There, there's a moment where there's, there's something that that like you're good with or whatever, but you experience something in life. And the truth is our world is really good at this, right? Advertisers are really good at this because um, if, if, 
if they get us dissatisfied with something, like they can gin up some desire for something and whatever we have that we were fine with, we're like, oh, that's not enough anymore. Like, I, like that's just not enough. I need something more. And we've all experienced this in different ways. We, and this is this problem that I'm gonna call the enoughness uh, issue. Um, and problem that we all face in one way or another. And we have felt it in everything from like, maybe you were shopping for a house or thinking about adding on and it's just like, what is enough square footage? And you start, you know, thinking about this or you like you're happy with your house or what you were, you know, thinking about buying and then you start like reviewing Zillow and then all of a sudden like what you were interested in, it's just like, well, that's not enough because like this thing gets stirred up that you uh, see or you, you see it like in new shoes that are coming out or in gaming systems or we think about it in other uh, arenas like how much is enough to have in our bank accounts? Like, like what is enough? And we can get into this like scarcity thing where it starts feeling like it's not enough or I don't have enough. Um, we see it even with stage of life, right? Think about a young person, it's just like, when I get into high school, like, oh, you know, life will get better then. Then it'll be enough when I get into high school, you know? And, and then we reach the stage where, you know, like maybe you get married and you're just like, when we have kids, right? Then life will be enough. And then really quickly after that, right? It's the, oh man, when the kids are out of the house, when we're empty nesters, right? yeah, right? And then it's like, when I retire, someday when I retire. But it's this thing where it, it's, it's like whatever stage of life you're in, whatever you have in your bank account, whatever your iPhone is, whatever your square footage is, whatever, whatever it is, we can get pulled into this thing in this world where it just feels like it's not enough. It's, it's like the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. And the reality is we can struggle with this in deep ways, in shallow ways. But if you can never be or have enough, you will struggle to experience rest. Let me say that again. If you struggle to be or have enough, you will struggle with rest because there's something about that not enoughness thing that we get caught into at times. It, it will leave you weary. It doesn't let you rest. You, you get caught in this thing. And so this morning, what I want to do is look back at Genesis, right, where we've talked about there's all this stuff about rest because the reality is this enoughness thing, that's nothing new. Like that, this is, this is part of just the human condition. And we see a picture of this back in Genesis. So I'm gonna start in Genesis two and we'll look at a few things in Genesis three. So if you have your Bibles and you wanna follow along in your Bibles, you can, but we'll, we'll put the verses up on the screen here. But let me set up uh, part of Genesis two. So part of what you see in Genesis two is the creation of the garden that represents this idea of life and relationship with God. And, and there's, it is an amazing thing. When you, when you look at the garden and you look at the imagery and the symbolism and all the things there, you realize this place is amazing. It is filled with good things. It has got, uh, all, it's got things like gold uh, in it and things for art. And it's got all of these beautiful rivers and all of these trees. It, I mean, it's amazing. And when you think about this, I want you to think about this as well. You know, oftentimes when we think about the spiritual life, we think about like 
um, what is what is a good spiritual life look like? Sometimes, sometimes we think of that in terms of like, well, you know, a really spiritual person, like they're just used to being miserable. And if there's something good or fun, uh, they'll turn it down because that can't be spiritual, right? Like, uh, you know, the more miserable or at least just, you know, bleh kind of life, that's got to be really holy. If that's what you think it is or what you want it to be, don't read Genesis 2, right? Because Genesis 2 gives you a very different understanding of the wonder and the amazement and the beauty and the joy of what a spiritual life, what life in relationship with God is to be all about. Um, and one of the things that you see out of this um, is like, it's, it's meant to be like taken in, like there's something there to be experienced. So look with me at Genesis. I want to look at one part of, of this here in Genesis 2. Look at Genesis 2, starting in verse 9, as we get a little bit of this description. And what you're going to see is this is a picture of enough. This is enough. God made this to be enough. It says this, verse 9. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, Trees that were pleasing to the eye. And that's one of the parts I wanted to catch here. Pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, this idea, pleasing to the eye, right? Th this is, like, there are things that as human beings, we, we were created with certain desires and longings and it's like this whole garden reflects how we were created. That th there are things that we would desire or long for. And, and, it, there, and this garden is enough. It's enough to meet uh, all of that. And, and when you think about it, and, and if you want, you can go on your own and like read through the whole chapter and, and see all of this. But as amazing as it is, ask yourself the question, um, what could possibly make someone say it's not enough, right? Like, like there's just, it's a world where there's like no problems. Like, what would cause you to say this isn't enough? Well, I tell you what it is. In fact, it's in the passage, if you think about it. Uh, verses 16 and 17 unpack this moment where God says now, this amazing garden with all, like these trees that are pleasing to the eye and good for food and like just all of it, like this wonderful fruit and all this stuff. He says, you can eat of any of these trees. They're all yours with one exception, right? One prohibition. There's one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat that one. Because that one, that, that'll kill you, right? In, in, a, in a spiritual way. Like, don't go there. And that's all it takes. Just, no, not that one. And, and that's the moment where we as human beings, there's something in us that's like, really, not that one? Wow, must be something special about that one. That tree's got, you know, the A16 fruit growing on it. That's the super fruit. Wow. What's that, you know, like there's that thing in us that we go to that place. Like if you walked into the grocery store and they're like, you know, you can have anything you want. Although, 
you know, aisle nine, middle shelf on the back. It, can't buy any of that stuff. Like, we've taped that. You can't, can't have that. And, and you'd walk in the grocery store, and you'd be like, really? Aisle, wh- what's on aisle nine? What, what could be? Uh, I need, maybe I'm going to just walk down aisle nine and just see what's down in the end of that, because maybe I do want that. Why won't, why, why, why won't they let me have that? Like what's, like, what's going on with that? Like, there's a part of us that something gets ginned up in us with that, that it, like, it creates this weird kind of desire for us to go uh, after those uh, things. Um, it'd be like, this would be the perfect illustration. So, like, think of think of a of a high schooler, right? And one of his friends says, "You know, I've been hearing word around here, and let me tell you, every girl in the whole school wants to go out with you, right? I mean, except for that one girl. There's that one girl, and she doesn't want to go out with you. And that's the moment that guy's like, really? Like, what? Like, what's it going to take to have her go out with me? What? Like, this, like he'll forget about all the other girls, and it's just like that one girl, right? Because like that's the forbidden fruit. That's the thing. And there's this thing in us that gets pulled into that, right? It's the, and this is part of the problem of enoughness. Like, like it's like what you know, like, what is with that tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Like, it's like, you know, like, you know, it's funny, you, you look back over history, and whenever that tree, the fruit of that tree is pictured, it's usually what? Like, like an apple, right? Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I think it was probably like chocolate, maybe, right? It's the chocolate tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Because what you see play out is, is it's this thing that plays out where there's this tug of war over desire, but it's this kind of desire of like it's like it's not enough. Like it's an enoughness uh, problem. And I, I want us to look over at um, uh, Genesis uh, chapter three. So flip over to Genesis chapter three, um, because now th- everything switches, and there's this conversation that's going to take place between the woman uh, and the serpent. And when you think about this conversation, think about it for a moment, just like two neighbors talking over the back fence a little bit. Okay, and if you picture this conversation going on and the dynamic that's going on uh, with this, so. Uh, look at verse 1, verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God uh, had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? Like, right, like any of them in there? Now, this is like a half-truth, right? Because it's like there was a tree that God said you couldn't eat from, and he's kind of made this like pervasive. And all he's doing is he's playing on those, uh, like the fear of enoughness, on the like, wait, wait man, like I'm gonna miss out like this. Just And it's just ginning up that kind of fear. And it's just, picture it over the back wall. It's just like, yeah, you know, like you're not gonna get what you want. Like it's like, like nothing. Like it's, and you can feel this kind of building. And then here's how she uh, responds. Look at verses two and three. The woman said to the serpent, and she corrects him here, uh, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, right? Let, let me clarify, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Um, and there's some subtle things that are going on here. And really, if she would have just stopped there, we, there wouldn't be anything to, to go on with this. So you'd be like, she's doing great here. What's interesting is what she says next because this is her half-truth 
that in a way actually gives us like a window into her mind and heart of what she's dealing with in this, right? So she says the thing about, no, we just, we're not to eat of the tree in the middle of the garden. Then she goes on, look at verse three. And you must not touch it or you will die. God never said anything about not touching it. Like you go through the story and you realize like each of them have switched it with this kind of half truth. And hers is this thing like, you can't even touch it, right? That tree, you know? And you just picture them over the back fence and she's like, the tree's like five doors down. I can see the top of that tree, the chocolate tree. Yeah, can't even touch that thing, right? It's just like, what's, what's going on inside of her that, like, that, that she's like, you can't even touch it, right? It's in a weird way, there's this kind of obsessive focus on it. Because probably that's the tree she's been thinking about the most, right? Why? Because that's the one you're not supposed to have, right? It's just, that's, right? Well, I want to go on a date with her. Yeah, she's the only one in the whole school that doesn't want to go on a date with you, right? And it's this thing that begins to happen here as it begins, uh, right, uh, to play out. You know, um, if, if you look at the Hebrew for this word, uh, for, the, for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, um, in the Hebrew, the way the title of this tree is pronounced is Ghirardelli. Ghirardelli. <laughs> not really, not really. I made that up in the first service, and it worked then, so I thought I'd try it out on you all as well. <clears throat> but no, that's not the Hebrew at all, right? Uh, it's just, it, it's what is going on here, though, is like it's the thing where the focus is lost. Like There's this obsession, there's this agitation and this anxiety over, do I have enough? Is this the thing that I need? Is this the thing uh, that I want? And, and here's the thing, friends. When enough isn't enough, you will miss the joy of what you already have. That's the problem that gets worked out right here. When enough isn't enough, you will miss the joy of what you already have. In this moment, right? Picture this conversation of what's going on. There is like a, and what's interesting is the description of, uh, of, the, of the draw towards the trees is all the same. In the Hebrew, it is all, and, it is, and it's a cool way to say it. It is pleasing to the eye. This is about the thing that you desire. There is something satisfying. There's, there's something easy to like or want about this. This is true of all the trees. And in the story, it's like the woman is, like she's right there and she even acknowledges in her description of it. Like we can eat, there's like a forest of chocolate trees that I could, that I could have, pleasing to the eye. But misses all of those because in a weird way, but, but that's not enough. That's not enough. I've got to have this one. See, that's the problem. And if that's, when we get in that place, that's where we can't find rest, friends. So what I want to do, I want to take the rest of my time here. And I want to talk about some practices that, that God actually did with the Israelites um, centuries and centuries later that 
that help with this, with this whole idea of what it is to find a kind of rest that helps us with the anxiety of enoughness. And we face this in a lot of ways. We don't just face it with the thing that we desire in it, like, like there's a positive and negative side to this, right? There are moments where we desire something because it's positive, it's attractive, it's the thing, like we see the good things it will do and the wonderful things it will do. And by the way, just because there's a desire for it doesn't mean that it's bad. Think about the name of this tree, the knowledge of good and evil. God says, I don't want you to go there. Not because the knowledge of good and evil is inherently bad, it's not, right? Now, there's a whole other sermon there that I'm not going to go into. I'll do that another time. But just because, like, you have a desire for something doesn't mean that it is inherently bad. But if the desire for that comes out of, like, this enoughness problem, it, it creates issues. Other times that desire comes from a place because there's something that you're suffering with. There's something that you're struggling with. And there's this desire to overcome it, to get past it. And there's nothing at all wrong with saying, I, the, the, the pain that I'm experiencing in life right now, I just want it to go away, right? But again, the enoughness issue ultimately isn't about the honesty of dealing with what we long for. It's the half-truth that somehow if we could just get what we think we want, all of the problems would go away and all the joy would be automatic. And that, that's not true. There's a, there's a kind of rest that we need to engage in. And it's interesting, the Israelites, when they uh, come out of captivity, and I talked about this two weeks ago, and you see this because there are these things that get mirrored because in a way there are all of these lessons that God is reteaching the Israelites as they come out of slavery that you see going all the way back to Genesis. For instance, when the Israelites are coming out of slavery, the promise to them is the promised land. We're going to take you to a, you know, you're going to go to the promised land. And there's a correlation in the meaning behind like the idea of the garden and the promised land. The promised land wasn't just like a GPS location someplace. The promised land represented life and relationship with God, that God is saying, I will be your God and you will be my people. And we're going to find this way to relate and attune together. Um, so their journey to the promised land isn't just how do we travel there. It's a journey of learning what it means and how to follow God in a meaningful way. And so the Israelites, as they come out of Egypt, you've got to imagine this for a moment, right? They have lived in a place where probably, essentially, right, their job was just to make bricks 24-7. And how they took care of food and stuff, like there was a whole system in place for how they would, how they would uh, find food, how they would nourish themselves. They are now out in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And that whole system, you know, the Egyptian cafeterias, we're not out in the wilderness. And now you can, you can feel in them, like there's, there's gonna be a little anxiety. There's gonna be a little like, okay, are we gonna have what we need? Just like, how do we do this? You know, we've never gone camping before. 
especially not for what they didn't realize at that point was going to turn into like a 40-year camping trip. How are we going to meet these needs? And you can feel that. And what's, uh, there's this amazing moment where God says, okay, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me that I'm going to take care of you through this. And one of the things that he does with the food end of this, and maybe some of you have heard this story, it's about the manna. What God says is, here's what I'm going to do. Every, like every night, like if you don't have food, I, it's going gonna, it's gonna to like, manna is going to fall from the sky. It's going to like snowing bread from the sky at night. Pretty amazing miracle, right? And so he's like, you're going to come out of your tent in the morning and there's going to be manna all over the place because it snowed manna. But he does another really interesting thing here. And it's out of this that I want to talk about three ways to practice rest that will help you um, find enoughness in your life, okay? Um, He does this really interesting thing. He says, okay, when you get up in the morning and you go out and collect that manna, I only want you to collect enough manna for that day. Which doesn't make sense, right? You'd think... You know, what are the chances it's going to snow bread tomorrow, right? That's the, if there's lots of manna out there, why don't I get enough manna for tomorrow or maybe this week? Or like, let, 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 let's stock up. That would be a smart thing to do. But the lesson here for the Israelites is not about, you know, uh, retirement savings or, you know, anything. It's not that. This is a lesson about trusting the enoughness of God. Because if we can begin to start trusting the enoughness of God, we will find rest in our lives. That's the point of this. And so let me, let me just, as I unfold that story a little bit more, let me talk about three ways we can practice um, a kind of rest or enoughness that will help us with this. Um, and the, the, first one is, the first one is this. Practice seeing enough. And here's what I mean by this. Practice seeing enough. Um, can you imagine the, the Israelites, they come out of their tent, and it would be easy for them to go, oh my goodness, we are so far from the promised land. You, like, uh, what all the things that we're going to need. They, they could have looked out over the horizon out to a distant desert and said, like, we got to cross that. What do we, oh my gosh. They could have focused on all of the problems, all of the things where they, the fearful things of not having enough. But here's the thing. First thing they needed to do, walk out that tent and go, you know what I see right here? There's manna for today. What is the manna in your life? What is the thing that you can look at and say, you know, gosh, it's so tempting, right? in the morning to get up and look at the horizon of my day, my week, my month, my year, and see all of the, all of the issues that need my attention, all of the things that need to be taken care of, all the things I'm worried I won't be able to take care of. But let me challenge all of us. Start your day and go, you know, God has provided a lot right out of the bat, right out of the chute. What are those things? What are those things that you see, right? What are the things, maybe it's relationships. What are the relationships that you see and you say, you know, there's a friend, there's a friend, there's a family member, there's a person 
that I can depend on. There's like, what are those things? What are the, what are the things that God has provided for you in material ways? How, like, look at that and begin understanding and seeing where you already have enough for this day. Start there. And I want to encourage you in this. Write it down as a practice. Maybe even if you just spend a week uh, every day, just write down a few things. And you might be surprised at at all that God is already providing in your life. And there's something that happens when you begin seeing, you know what? God's actually, I've got enough in this. And as you start seeing that enoughness, you will feel the anxiety of all those things further out on the horizon starting to drop. And you'll find yourself being able to breathe a little bit because you're not getting pulled into that enoughness problem of all of its fears and worries and problems, right? Now, second thing, second thing is this. Uh, practice saying enough. Practice saying enough. You know, one of the things that God said about the manna, and he told the people all this, he goes, okay, so I only want you to take what you need for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. And the idea is it's getting them to practice this idea that all of the anxiety that I would have over, will God be there for me tomorrow? Will it all be enough tomorrow? All, it's like, I want you to get used to just experiencing enough now. And you're gonna have this temptation to take more manna than you need. And some of the people did. And God says, if you do, here's what's gonna happen with the magic snowing manna, right? It's gonna rot. It's gonna get stinky and smelly and it won't be good for any food. Get what you need for today and you're good for today. But if you keep worrying about tomorrow, right, it's just going to rot. And I want you to picture this. I want you to picture people, right, who've never experienced just like free bread that's just fallen from the sky. Imagine the temptation to just go out and just like, well, this is probably enough for today. But that looks like some pretty good banana, or I mean banana, <laughs> manna over there. I love banana bread, by the way. And it just, I think that's what was on my mind just now. Just like, anyhow, I'm going to stay on track here. Okay. <laughs> um, imagine moments where it's just like, they're like, okay, I, like, uh, okay I'm going to get that. And they go and they take it. And then it rots. And it's like, man, that was her. Next day they go out there and it's just like, man, it's, okay, I got to say, this is enough. There's something to the discipline of saying, this is enough. This is enough. What are the areas in your life where, and again, this isn't about like, is this wrong to pray for, good or bad? I, just where are the moments where maybe you have deep concerns and you're praying for something? It is okay to pray for something in the future. It's okay to seek those things out. But sometimes you find yourself in a space, right? And if you find yourself in that space, where you're getting all ginned up and you're finding it hard to see the manna in front of you, maybe you need to just pause and say, you know what, this is enough. This is enough. God, I'm gonna trust you that this is enough today.
You know, sometimes we get up in the morning and there's that long list of all the things, all the pressures, all the things we have to do. I've got to go see this person, that person. I've got to go take care of this. I've got to work on this at the house. I've got to do that at work. I've got to do this at school. And we get all these things. I don't know if any of you ever have that problem, but man, I face that. I'd like, I just feel like my calendar is nuts. And I just like, and it can be easy to start getting into that fearful anxiety place where there's no rest. And there are times where I just have to go, okay, today got a list of 50 things, but realistically, these are the three, four, or five things. These are the things. And I'm going to just have to rest in, this is enough. This is enough. I'm going to trust God with this, that this is enough. And walk through my day and let tomorrow be tomorrow in this. And for some of you, this is like a really important practice because like you get into a bad spot before you've even started your day sometimes. Stop and practice saying, okay, God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna look through these things. Maybe you pray through those things, say, this is enough. This is enough. And let the other things go and then start over tomorrow. Just try to pick up the manna you need for today. And, and sometimes we have to go, like, and if you have to write it out to think about it, do that in there. Now, third practice, and this one we're going to do together, okay? And this one is simply the practice of trusting that God is enough. And you're like, well, how do you do that? Well, you know, um, one of the best ways to, to experience that God is enough is there's something that we can do for each other. I'm going to ask the worship team to come out here in a minute, and they're going to lead us through a song. There's something that happens um, in a community. God designed us this way. Um, uh, Because some of us, like, there's a weariness to what you're feeling in this enough thing, because it's real things going on in your life. And it's like, okay, I want to trust this to God. You know what helps me sometimes? Is when I know that there's someone else that is trusting God with their journey. You know what helps me sometimes? When I know that there's someone else who has trusted God with their journey and they experienced God enough and I hear it in their voice, they're at a place in their walk where they proclaim it, they feel it, they've experienced it. You know what's good for me sometimes is when I experience that, to be a part of proclaiming that. And that's something that we can do collectively as a community. And so what I want you to do is as the worship team leads out in this song, let it be something that we proclaim together. Um, For some of you, it may be that just you feel like there's a weariness and it's just like, okay, I want to just trust this to God, that God really is there for me. And I'm going to just take in the music and the words and I'm going to let that resonate and remind Remind me how trustworthy God is. For others of you, as you start to kind of learn what the words are, and we'll put the words up on the screen, you're going to want to sing this. I want to sing it, declare it. Like if this is like, if this is true for you and you're a moment, sing it out with the worship uh, team and be a part of declaring it. And let this be an experience that you get to experience with your community that will help you feel just how trustworthy God is, that God is enough. And after they're done, I'll come back and I'll close this out uh, here this morning.
Are you tired and troubled? Weighed down by a heavy load? Praying for change, searching for faith, waiting on a miracle. Are you drowning in questions? I can't believe where the road has led. There is one who knows the heavy you hold. And he says, come to me. just in scripture, but in your life and in my life. God is enough. He is enough. And when we begin to feel that, embody that, and in tune to that, oh man, the rest we feel becomes this beautiful, beautiful thing. 
Um, I'm going to close this in a minute, but let me just say this. Man, if you're here this morning and there's something heavy that you're carrying that's difficult and you'd love to have someone pray with you or for you, I want to invite you. We've got some people in our prayer spot over here that would love uh, just, uh, just to come alongside you and pray with you or for you. If you're new, if you and I have never had a chance to meet or I've not had a chance to welcome you, I'm going to be over here for just a little bit. Um, and I would love to just shake your hand and welcome you uh, here this uh, morning. Why don't you stand and I will uh, close this out here this morning with prayer. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you uh, that you have always been enough and that you're enough right now and that you always will be enough. And for that, we are grateful and we thank you and we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Have a great Sunday and see you next week.